Listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. We've got the full crew, Dan and Jason, with us today. Hello, boys. Hey. Good day, sir. I said good day. That's what you say at the end of the show, Dan. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. I was channeling my inner Willy Wonka. <laughs> I was enough. just reading that book to my kids tonight. Ah, did he say, good day, sir? I said good day. No, but he did say, you're mumbling. <laughs> you're mumbling. You're mumbling. That's a really good book. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I enjoy it. That's pretty good. I see that guy's name, Rald Rald Dahl. Rald Dahl. Rald Dahl. Yeah, we have we have like the collection of his books we got for Christmas last year. It's like 50, twenty books or something, and so we've been just plowing through them the whole year. Nice. Have you done uh, James of the Giant Peach already? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 There's a lot of ones there that uh, you know, like never heard of, that are like yeah. part of his collection, but they're interesting. He's kind of like a Picasso light of light of words. Yeah, you know, and he um he likes to throw a curse word in every now and then to those kids' books. <laughs> ding ding ding. What a naughty man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well we got a really cool show today. We're gonna be talking about some of our favorite things that we like to make to supplement our hobby. So I was just giving a peek at the list and I think it's gonna be a fun show today. Yeah. But before we get there, obviously, it's Geek Week time. Dan, how was your Geek Week, buddy? Sorry, I haven't been on the show for a long, long time. I apologize. I've uh, been working on a lot of stuff. I, um, For long-time listeners, you may remember that the IKEA Detolf glass case is kind of a go-to for mini displays, mm-hmm. with its only flaw being the three glass shelves plus the base of it. Such and a waste so, of space. And once you get it and you put a whole bunch of minis in there and you're like, well, this is dumb. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I reached out to my good buddy, Justin, who hey, um, uh, pointed me to a, a guy on YouTube who showed me what parts I needed to go buy at uh, at Home Depot and what the method was to uh, add some extra shelves. I Getting the perfect glass shelves via, you know, foggy cutting boards was a lot harder than I thought, but I, I was able to uh, go to um, a, kind of a, a, you know, one of those stores that takes retail stuff that didn't sell and they sell it again. Um, big I lots. Forget, yeah, big lots. I went to big lots and found something close enough, but it wasn't long enough to stretch the width of the glass cabinet. So I had it's to go. A, it's a weird dimension. It's very strange because it looks square. It's a Swedish but it's dimension. Yeah, yeah, those Swedes really were trying to mess. Yeah. So, uh, also, I found out that, that that cabinet cannot be put together by with one person. That's true. 
Yeah, you're risking breaking having a sea oh, of glass yeah. under your feet. Oh, that's very true. So I, I grabbed my 17-year-old daughter. My wife was out of town. I'm like, get down here. She's like, I don't want to. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> down here crafting. Help daddy build his mini display cabinet. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Dan. I actually have a quote from one of the Swedish engineers on how he put it together. Thanks for thanks for the Muppet joke. Um, yeah. Exactly, uh, the, sen- yeah. the very sensitive Muppet joke. <laughs> so let me just cut to the ca- to chase on D12. Really thick, gooey, clear plasticky double stick tape can um, do work wonders. If you have like two or three different widths, Amazon will sell you a, a box of double stick tape mm-hmm. with three different widths, and two of those three are just perfect. They're so gooey. I mean, the the shelves that I put in are literally a hundred times more stable than the shelves that that are that came with that from ikea um and i had to get some like um i had to get creative and, and find ways to fill in the gaps with with uh thin pieces of metal that i found for a buck each at home depot um that that stretched it you know they're about 12 inches long and an inch and a quarter wide and very mm-hmm. thin and that's all i needed a lot of double stick tape it's a little utilitarian but once you put all the minis in there, nobody cares about how it, yeah, how all that stuff it. looks. So, um, so it's really exciting to be able to display my minis, and I, I don't even have everything I've painted on display, and that's kind of exciting. So, um, Detolf, uh, I'm gonna after Justin's recommendation and tutelage, I'm gonna give it two thumbs up. Put some pics in the Discord chat, and we'll throw it up on social media yep. too. Okay. Yeah, yeah you got to put your whole uh, what is it uh, something of Murdoch or what's the name Murdoch. of that game? Smog. Oh. oh yeah, the uh, the the rise of the uh, the rise of Moloch. Yeah, of rise of Moloch. Yeah, that I did whole a photo session. I did I did about 150 photos. Give it to me. Give it to me. Look look nasty. Look nasty. <laughs> you know, uh, I took a lot of photos. You're of... saying that with your daughters of Cain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you gotta <laughs> trust. You're a tiger, daughter... baby. <laughs> you got daughters this. of Cain. Uh, you get tired of painting minis wearing bikinis. Let me just tell you that that gets lame. <laughs> the first time you do it, it it's it, it, there's novelty, and after that, you're like, this feels <laughs> that's dumb. Some good stuff. This feels real dumb. You're like, oh, that's kind of weird, and then you're like, this is this is lame. So anyway, um, wife comes down. You're spending a lot of time on that one part, babe. Yeah, yeah, well, you're just teeny, teeny tiny get, little get right. bums you're painting. So, uh, anyway, that's well, accentuate it. I'm not gonna. Uh, I, I chose highlights, poorly. Extreme highlights. Just go orcs, gentlemen. Just just buy orcs. <laughs> everything will turn out. Orcs are guys in shiny armor. Orcs keep marriages together. Well, iron jaws. Because here's the thing: you get bone splitters. You got the thong problem there too. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. All right. All right. And, and you then go. you're doing orc let's butts. Get, okay. Let's get back on topic. <laughs> We're losing. We're, we're we're losing our rating. We're losing our rating. Here. Uh, circling it back around, uh, two minis. I've really had a great time gluing up. Uh, I bought a lot of Legion Star Wars Legion models, and I've I'm done gluing them up. I I think I, I think I got fifty or sixty models all glued up right now. And then uh, I just got Mando and Grogu in the mail today, so I got to glue those guys up. But. I haven't got them primed or painted yet. Uh, I think, guys, when you're getting into a mini game, I hate to say this. All in. You, you got to go all in, but you also need to understand some of the basics of the game. Because you can overbuy thinking that one box yeah. equals one squad. 
Oh, right. And that's not true. There's different ways to configure squads mm-hmm. to where mm-hmm. uh, what's in the core set plus one box will pretty much do you fine if you and and there's a, a right now the way the game is designed you can't have more than three Mando squads. So I really like Mandos. I want to have three Mando squads. I want to have a Mando commander and I want to have Mando agents running around. But um, you have to throw in some other like uh, throwaway troops as well. And these guys are guys that, you know, the Pikes and guys who work for Black Sun. They, they look okay, but they're not Mandos. The chattel. The chattel. But I did, I think I overbide by a, a whole box. Uh, now, the plus side to that is I've got, I'm able to do, I was able to do every single configuration in the box, which is kind of the upside, which is, you know, every weapon configuration you have I've options. got. And then I was able to divide the three because the core set comes with the equivalent of one box plus two boxes. I was able to move them into different clans. So I'm going to have three Mando clans with three Mando color schemes. And there won't be a duplicative pose in any of those three clans. So that's kind that's of cool. awesome. That's cool. So I can that, put down a clan, clan rook and they're there and kicking butt. So that's nice. going to be great. Yeah. I, it's going to go in the display case. Yeah, they're going there, and uh, my kids come down and go, whoa, this is great. And I think I burned a lot of brain cells on the glue, so I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling like I need to glue more for some reason. I don't know why, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, so haven't played Star Wars Legion ever. I've spent hours on glue up. I can't wait to move to priming and painting next. Awesome. So that's, that's my geek week. Very good. Jason, how was your geek week? Uh, so I beat Scorn. It was, yeah, it was a rather short game. Um, I beat it in a total of seven hours. And I think I said in our Discord chat, I think one of those hours was me leaving the Xbox off and walking away for a little bit. <laughs> so, just leaving it so on. When yeah. you posted that in our Discord chat, I was thinking, like, this is one of those games where you're glad that it was on Games Pass. Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh, you yes. Know? Had you um, paid, like, $40 for that, you probably would have been like, seriously? Yeah, and I'll, d- I'll be honest with you, there's not much replayability because it's a puzzle game. It's a puzzle it. game first and foremost. Um, and because it's a puzzle game, you once you figure the puzzle out, you figure the puzzle out, right? Like, it took me, on some levels, it would take me like an hour and a half to figure out how to progress through the level. But then um, I had a, I hit a bug. This is actually kind of a little upsetting. I hit a significant bug at the very end of the game that required me to reload and restart the entire first, uh, the entire last level over again. And I'd spent like two hours on this level trying to figure it out. Well, once I had to reload, I got through the entire, the entire level all the way to the end of the game in 30 minutes, just because at that point it's just as fast as the character will move through the level. Right. Cause I had figured the puzzle out. So I think the replayability is really low um but it i will say this it was a fun it was a fun journey through a you know an hr geiger nightmare um and uh it has a neat story it's not one of those where they actually tell you anything but you can kind of get a feel for what was going on as you play through the game and you just observe the levels and the change in the atmosphere around you um can you just spoil it for for me, I'm not gonna play it. Just spoil it. Just tell and me. That, well, well you just spoil it for all our listeners. <laughs> yeah. All our listeners. Wow. We just want you to spell it. Okay. You can, all right. St- stop listening for the next ten seconds. Go, Jacob. I, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing really to What's spoil. What's the whole point? Are you like? Were you captured by aliens? Or were you? No, 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 no. no. So, What's the yeah. Whole point? So, so there's there's 
five acts in the game, and the first act of the game, you're playing this this character that kind of wakes up, and um, uh, it, it's one of those. It's a little bit linear, actually. It's a, it's a very linear game. Um, it, it 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 tries to pretend like it's not linear, but it really is linear. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, so you're just pushing through the level, trying to figure out. Well, this is a weird world. It's you know, it's 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 organic mechanical versus silicon mechan. You know, uh, technology is organic biological technology, and everything seems decayed. Like I'm I'm aeons into a civilization that has fallen. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then um, you play through the kind of the first puzzle and such, and you unlock like this big gate so that you can progress through, and then some accident, cause, cause, uh, big uh, catastrophe happens, and your character dies, and that's Act like one, and then Act two starts. You are a new character, a new p- person that like hatches out of like an eggshell thing. Right. And you progress through all the way to the end of the game, but halfway through you encounter your old self, and your old self kind of attaches itself to you and gives you like your weapons and stuff. So it's it's a little bit of a symbiotic uh, okay. story, um, but then when you get to the end, you find out this this civilization was basically and this is spoiler 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 stop this civilization um, had gotten to the point to where they had taken procreation to a level where they they were trying to move to the next level in their evolution. And so they had kind of moved away from standard procreation into kind of mechanizing it. Um, and by doing so, that they were never... They kind of yeah. failed. They never really <laughs> achieved... They never really were able to achieve it properly. So it kind of led to, like, de- you know, degraded, um, degraded perpetuation of the race. And I think eventually they gave up and they they merged everyone into a giant hive mind. Um, and then at the end of the game, you basically are, you realize that everything you've been doing is pushing your character to this one area of the world where you can try to join the hive mind. And um, and and so you're wow. you're hooking yourself up to the hive mind kind of at the end of the game. And, and uh, things go south at the end. So it's actually a tragedy story. It, oh. it, you don't ever achieve your purpose, but that's kind of the point of the story. It only takes about, I would say it takes about five hours to push through uh, that whole story. It, and I think it's, look, if this was a $30 game, I would be like, totally cool, totally worth it. Because it's a fun kind of silent adventure through yeah. uh, through a mysterious, you know, um, uh, weird and I use weird in the sense of like weird tales, you know, like weird mm-hmm. world. Uh, that that's worth the experience. Would I pay anything over thirty for this? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks for yeah. the story bit. Because yep. there's so much mystery, and some of us are just not going to play a game like that. Yeah. So. Uh, this is one of those games but where I'm interested if, in the logic behind how they got there. Yeah, you could get on to probably in the next you know month or so, or even now. You could probably get on to YouTube and say story behind scorn. Someone's probably summed it up in fifteen minutes. You know. With with yeah. nice pictures yeah. and stuff, but uh, that was the first thing I did. So I was pretty proud of myself for accomplishing that. Um, and then uh, the next thing I did is I, I've actually figure finally figured out my resin 3D printer that Woo! my buddy gave hey. me. I mean, after you know probably buckets of failed prints uh, to try to get all of the things kind of optimized. You know, there's like there's exposure time. There's um, there's um, you know. Um, what do they call it? Like balancing, uh, not balancing. Uh, um, what's it called, Justin? When you have to kind of make sure that everything's aligned up. Uh, bed leveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, leveling, uh, leveling, leveling. Exposure time. There's proper supports. 
Um, mm-hmm. I f- and then there's this is an interesting one. There's the tightness of the FEP. The FEP yeah. is the plastic sheet that sits in between the LCD screen and the actual uh, plate, build plate. And uh, what happens is the resin build plate comes down and squishes kind of against that plastic FEP. And the LCD screen with a very thin layer of resin, the LCD turns on for a long enough t- exposure time to cure the resin. And then the, the build plate pulls back just a little bit to kind of snap that off of that FEP. And then pushes back with another little bit of resin. So if that FEP is too tight, when it pulls back, there's too much suction force. And it'll actually yank the res- that, that cured layer off of the build plate and it'll stick to the FEP. And then your prints failed from that point forward. Wow. Yeah, so I'm like all these tiny little knobs and tweaks and, you know, and the problem is with 3D printing or resin printing, number one, because it's inside the vat, you can't really even see if it's working until probably 30 to 40 minutes into the print. Right. And then... I mean, if that, right? If If that, that. if that, yeah. And then you can't even... And then what you're, you know, you're looking in there, you can't even really see... It's, you know, it's probably a good two to three hours to determine whether or not you got the settings right. And then you got to stop, clean the vat, get it all ready again. So it's been a little bit of a painstaking process. I'm not going to lie. At some points I was ready to throw in the towel, but I was patient. Um, and uh, I got everything to a good place and now I'm knocking out prints and they're being successful and I'm feeling nice. happy. So uh, good times. I will say this one thing. Uh, I subscribed to Loot Studios last month, which I thought had an amazing Halloween uh uh, line for last month i c- i've never been able to get a single one of their 32 millimeter pre-supported yeah. minis to print i've always nope. i had to take it and put my own supports on and that's when i started to get success um i downloaded some bases for the orcs that i'm printing and they came pre-supported and none of them i failed yeah. every time i tried to use the pre-supports yeah so here's what i noticed i actually printed the 32 millimeters are kind of the ones that are the standard tabletop mini sizes right yeah, and those look really good. I got about four, I got about four or five of those printed right now, and I'm painting them up, and they look gorgeous. My wife even thinks they do. Um, I printed up one of their 75 millimeters, which is the same model, just at a 75 millimeter height, yeah. which is like a display height, right? You're not going right. to play with that. That pre-supported printed perfectly, oh, so I kind of wonder if they just scaled it down without okay. like adjusting the supports really and looking at it. But I don't know. Yeah, might, that might be. Might be, but uh, but really cool. Once I've got it, my I mean, my kids and my wife look at it like the thing is amazing. The amount of detail, uh, although my wife is really starting to complain about the smell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, it's she's like, uh, are you gonna fix that smell problem? I'm like, I don't really know how to. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, well, I do know how. I just buy less stinky resin, right? I put a little well, more money into the resin. So I've seen it where you build a exterior box for it, and then that has a vent that goes into like a carbon filter. Yeah, so I've got that. I've oh, got geez. the carbon. Yeah, from uh, Jim, our friend. He gave it to me. And that helps significantly, but the problem is is um, even when the models have been cured, uh-huh. after the, effect, the, the fact, um, I noticed that I, I forgot – well, I didn't forget. I didn't base, um, I didn't prime the very bottom of the mini, like the bottom of the base. Yeah, and it's right. still so sick. That, just it's, that it's, bottom it's of the base. Gassing out. The, oh my the gosh! Gassing out from the well, bottom. Well, 
the gas is gone because it because it, it's a hollow mini. Or no, um, but, but but it's it's exposed. You can to smell. The air. It. Yeah, you can smell just that one part. So I would say one way to keep your minis from really keeping that smell is prime every single part of that, even the bottom. Don't forget about the bottom. That's crazy. I have not had that problem with my resin. I think it's also the resin. Like I'm using a translucent a translucent green resin uh-huh. from AnyCubic. And I've okay. noticed afterwards I got on, and there's a lot of comments that say this this resin is really smelly. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to try a different one next time. But anyways, which means you're going to have to dial in your settings all over again. I uh, I, I know, which is because <laughs> it's like <laughs> every resin's a little different. Well, yeah. I, well I, there's yeah. another solution, Jay, and you're not going to like it, which is put a really solid table out in your garage, open the garage, and put a fan on it. <laughs> make, it make it be exterior air. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to do that temperature control too, because the the resin doesn't like to be the resin wants to be like at room temperature with a yeah. small variance around Jeez. it. Yeah, it's put, it's a it's definitely yeah. a, a lot more of an, an involved process. But I put it's my machine really cool. in uh, my laundry room and kept the, keep the doors closed, and I have less stinky resin. So I once I did that, I haven't had a problem. When I was doing it in my basement near where I podcast, like the whole basement was stinking up. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's fun stuff, though. Yeah, it's good times. Took yeah, a while to dial it in. Don't give up, people. It's one of those things where, of all the flaws of PLA, it is it is kind of a, a nice balance between lots of different compromises. Yeah. So, anyway, cool. All right, yeah. that's that's a lot of geek, Jay. Good job. Well done, yeah. sir. What about you, Justin? Uh, so, Friday night, we had a, a nice Call of Cthulhu session. Um, it was it was kind of a yeah we, yeah you were it was a kind of a Halloween thing I wanted to run. Um, I ended up grabbing a couple of starter adventures that were free from Chaosium. The first one was the haunting uh, that I grabbed. It, it's in the um, Chaosium's Quick Start Guide. You can download it straight from their website, and uh, that was about a haunted house. And the second one was from an adventure that they were offering free for 24 hours before Halloween. And so I grabbed that one. And again, these sessions that they offered are were like one-hour sessions. Like they were just quick start, like have a good time. So we played two of them um, because we had plenty of time. And um, I was telling our friend Sean the next day when I saw him, I said the first the first adventure that we played, um, it it pretty much the entire role playing session took place in a cellar. <laughs> like that's all it did like that's all there was like dan yeah. i know you came into that session a little late yeah. but you literally arrived to my house when they were going down in the cellar there was nothing really that happened before that other than asking a couple of questions like how do we get to this cabin that has a cellar who's this person you know what i mean like the <laughs> whole role-playing the session literally the whole role-playing session happened down in the cellar and it was hilariously fun i mean we had some epic moments that happened down there yeah, it was so. great. It was great. It just goes to show you don't need to have enough graph paper to cover a continent in order to have a good RPG session. Sometimes yeah. a very small confined space, magic can happen. Oh, it was terror, fantastic. Terror, and terror can happen in small locations. Let me just say Dan that. decided with his character, he's like, uh, some weird stuff's happening. I'm getting out of here. And just then the monster decided to grab him. And so Dan decided to try to throw his lantern, kerosene lantern, at this monster. Like a but, Molotov cocktail, because that's the only thing I had on my character sheet. <laughs> but then he ended up a rolling a, like a 98, which is like a total fumble. Yeah. 
like a critical fail. So he ended up hitting the ladder and starting the ladder, the only way out of the cellar on fire. <laughs> part of that so was great. part of that was a jerk GM who you know. No, I'm kidding. No way, you I'm fumbled kidding. it. You threw the I know, ledge. I know it was the great. Ladder. Oh, it's really so good. Funny. There's this moment of, oh no, we're all gonna die down here. Yeah, and uh, there was another point where they had to get a ring on the guy's finger, and Dan walked over and just handed him the ring. But the other dude's hand was like being like grabbed on by a tentacle, so he had to like his next turn. The guy had to try to put the ring on with one hand, and he failed. And he failed. So I had to go <laughs> up there, all creepy, weird, say, "Put your finger out. I'm gonna put this on your put this ring on your finger. I guess we're, I guess we're a thing now." Oh yeah, <laughs> this is so great. So great. And so that was a really fun one. And then um, the the one that I had uh, uh, totally planned to do for this session was called The Haunting, and that's in the Quick Start Guide. And um, that was a lot of fun. It's a haunted house. And, again, the whole session really takes place in this. Well, that's not true because there was a good chunk of research that you guys did beforehand. <laughs> like you went to the library and the courthouse. Hall of Records. Hall of Records and all that yeah, stuff. So. Um, so there's like a, a lot of good fun research that happened and you guys were starting to piece stuff together and then went to this haunted house and, um, our one guy uh, who is brand new, who I invited, uh, he's, he lives, he goes to my church, um, invited him to come over. He had never played a role-playing game before and he got two Call of Cthulhu sessions in and he, he did great. I think he has a great personality for role-playing games. Oh, he, yeah, he was like right in it. He he was playing like a pro. Yeah. At the end, um, his yeah. character ended up dying, at the very end. Last minute, yeah. Last minute, and he kind of was like, seriously though, and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring him back for more. Kill him on yeah, his right? first adventure. Yeah. So no, it was pretty good. We had a we had a really good time. So, um, love playing Call of Cthulhu. Uh, our again, our friend Sean, he brought up the next day. He's like, you know. I played Call of Cthulhu three different scenarios now on two different nights. And it seems like the pattern for this game, though, is heavy, heavy, heavy research. And then something crazy happens. And he's like, I would like to play. He's like, I don't know if a campaign that would be different or how, how it would structure it differently. But I'd like to have things mixed up a little bit more. And I, I thought about that. And I said, you know, that's a that's probably a really good point. And... So I had an idea of like a scenario that I could come up with that would maybe not just be like, okay, here's your task to go research, and now there's your task to go like explore exactly what happened and probably go crazy, you know. So not so uh, delineated in terms of some of this stuff. And there's a lot so. less investment in characters and one shots, and it's, yeah, it, there's even less investment when it kind of feels. I don't know, all very temporary. But that's okay. It was Halloween, pre-Halloween. Yeah, that was the was point, a right? pre-Halloween session. Nobody was like, okay, we're going to make a campaign, and we need a guy to do this, and we need a guy. Right. There was enough of that. It was sit down. Here's you know, here's the pre-gens. Take one. Let's go. And that's fun, too. And, and we had a great time. We had a great time. Dan was Art Vandele, the architect. I was the architect. <laughs> they had so the architect and the psychiatrist. I'm like, oh, I'm doing the architect. <laughs> Right? I'm going to be the yeah. science guy. So, yeah, it was good. So, my other geek week is that I have been on a binge fest with some TV shows lately. So, just to kind of go through some of the things I finished over the last two weeks. Um, House of the Dragon, Mr. Robot, Severance. Um, 
Yeah, Mr. All Robot very and light, Servants. light humor. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah. And I'm halfway through Station Eleven right now. So uh, let me give you some highlights real quick. House of the Dragon, uh, solid, solid last two episodes. Um, was a very good prequel to Game of Thrones. Uh, Mr. Robot, I thought was a fantastic series. Uh, it had some parts in it. And I'm going to spoil a little bit because, you know, it's been out for a while. Um, the main character, Elliot, has got some psychological issues that you address in the first season. And those only continue to get crazier as, as the episode goes on or as the, as the series goes on. And so as as the plot kept getting, like, crazier and crazier, so did his, like, psychological episodes that he had. And I was really worried how they were going to end the series. And I thought that they stuck the landing super well. Oh, good. Like, they did a really, like, the ending, like, it was probably one of the, like, top five show endings for me. Oh, like, good. they did a really good job ending it. So, kudos to them. Kudos to the writing. It got pretty wild sometimes where I was like, oh, my gosh, they are jumping the shark right now. And then they knew how to bring it back in to where you're like, oh, I understand now. You know what I mean? Like, it was you done on purpose. You thought they were going to push in it a little too far, and then that reeled itself back in in the right Yep. Yep. And, and in the right way, too. That wasn't like, it was just a dream. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't something stupid like that. But um, very good. It, that was very good. Uh, let me tell you, top on my list here, though, guys, was Severance. Have you seen that show, Dan? No, I really want to. It has Adam Scott. I like Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. I have I've seen, Apple. I I've have, seen a few I, of the episodes, so don't don't spoil it yet. Oh, I, yeah, I, I won't spoil it. I mean, the the premise of the show, right, is that like you can get this procedure where you can um, basically have a work persona and then a home persona, so that when you go to work, you go down in this. Um, and I'm this is all in the trailer, guys. So I'm yeah. not spoiling anything. Yeah. You go down into work, and when you go down this elevator, your work persona takes over, and you just don't know anything that happens. You're called you're the any personality, and the person who lives on the outside of work is the Audi, and um, and uh, you know there's some interesting implications of that idea, that concept right there, because like if you think about it, your work personality never sleeps; they're just stuck at work all the time. Oh. Because, like, if you leave, right, so your yeah. work personality would leave, go in the elevator, they blink when you turn into your Audi personality, and when your Audi comes back, they blink again, and they're back at work. Like, they never actually leave. Yeah. Pretty crazy, right? And so, like, there's some, they kind of explore some of the um, moral and ethical stuff of that, and, like, what that's like, and... Um, I just thought that the writing in that show, the acting was phenomenal. The cinematography is amazing. Like there's just so much going on in that show that I think is, is absolutely right. And kudos to Apple for putting out something like that. I didn't think they had it in them to be honest with you. Yeah. A real so. psychological sci-fi. It's less sci-fi, more psychological. Yeah. Really good. Thriller. And then, and then I'm watching station 11 right now. Do you guys, have you guys familiar with that? Mm -mm. Very little. Yeah. So it's on HBO max or whatever. Um, it basically is what would happen if COVID was 99% deadly. So it's like this virus hits, uh, it's a flu and like pretty much everybody dies except for a small group of people. And it's kind of talking through their story and their origin story. And I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of like 
got this weird anxiety of like, is this too soon to watch this? Like after the whole pan, like COVID pandemic, you know, and we're fortunate that with like COVID, like it wasn't that deadly. Um, it could have been a lot, lot worse, especially with how contagious it, we found it to be, you know? And, um, like this show, you watch it and you're just like, oh my gosh, like this is what could have been almost is like what this show sort of is. So, um, if you had struggled with the pandemic and anxiety, don't watch this show. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're interested in another, uh, pandemic type show that predates COVID, there is the last ship. It's about the Navy. It's what if mm-hmm. one ship goes out and then there's a pandemic and then they come back and uh, you know, and it went for, you know, five seasons. It has great stuff. It has Eric Dane and Adam Baldwin, who you guys would remember from Firefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Marissa Netling was the lieutenant. And she's we, she and I have a mutual friend who went to college. So every time uh, I'd watch it and I'd, I'd get my buddy to send her texts and go, that episode was so awesome. Um, so anyway... Uh, that that's a great show. It also kind of feels like old school Star Trek a little bit. It's like a captain focused show, uh, okay. um, but it's Navy captain, not space captain. Yeah. So th- that one is has a little bit more here hero, heroism and adventure to it. There's a lot of guns and and missiles going off. So if it's too if if uh, if Justin's version is something you want to do, but it's a little too heavy, uh, give um, give the last ship a try. It's it's pretty cool, and it's been done for years. It's been over for yeah. years. They went five seasons. So. Nice. Anyway. So yeah, that was uh, that's kind of my geek week. Uh, just binged a lot of shows, played some Cthulhu. I you know been doing other stuff, painting and things like that. So, but that's for another podcast. You have a wonderful so, life. Yeah, with the Geek Week done, that brings us to our next segment, the Geek News. The Geek News. And news is an important thing for us all. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond News. I'm your host, Dan. That almost had a like Lord of the Rings kind of like yeah. feel to it. They were stealing a lot from, uh, from what's his name? James Horner. James Horner. Yeah, you beat me to it. Um, Free League is getting into minis. Jay, did you want to talk about Free League minis? Sure. Yeah, so um, Free League, Free <laughs> League is getting into minis. Zone Wars, Mutant, Zero War, Multiplayer, Skirmish Mayhem. There's a Kickstarter right now. So this is interesting, right? So have we seen, Justin, have we seen Free League play in the mini nope. realm yet this is their this is their first foray this is it and this is a skirmish game right so um go to their kickstarter you can download the print and play kit which has the rules i was looking at the rules earlier today um the uh it looks like your standard skirmish game every there's two to four players each player brings three models and it's one of those like legion heck kind of has this um where you kind of you kind of know, but don't really know which character is going to go next. Um, mm-hmm. Every every player t- has a token that represents a unique model that they've brought to the table, and you put all the tokens from both players into a cup or a bag, 
and you also put some kind of zone markers into that cup. And then when you start a new round, you just reach into the bag and pull out a token. And depending on whose was drawn, that player activates, or if you draw a zone marker, it does some special effect dealing with the scenario. So in its scenario driven, uh, it's skirmish. It's played on a two by two mat for two players, or a, um, I think either a three by four or maybe a four by four. I don't think it scales linearly for uh, four, uh, three to four players, but um, it does. It has a very familiar uh, mechanic, like the um, what's the name of their system? The zero mutant zero. Well, Mutant Zero is the theme that this is based off of, the Mutant Zero, but the uh, what's the name of their, their basic uh, uh, mechanic that they build their, their games zero? off? Yeah, Year Zero. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, rolling, you're rolling dice, and depending on the weapons that you use, it adds bonus dice. Uh, you're fishing for sixes. Uh, you can push your rolls at the expense of breaking your weapons. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of got that same feeling as, like, the alien stress mechanic a little yeah. bit. Um, and then you can uh, uh, you can get uh, they use the same terminology in that system right when you lose all your health you get broken um, and so it looks like a fun little game inside of the mutant uh, mutant year zero uh, uh, environment and setting settings what I meant to say setting I'm curious to see how it plays like they said you can print and play it now they say just use whatever minis you want as a stand-in yeah. until the actual game comes out. It looks like it would play fast. Uh, um, it looks like it could be interesting if there's scenarios. Uh, like, it could be very story-based with their scenarios. I'm not sure yet that there's anything super differentiating about it from all the other skirmish games that are out there, beyond maybe just the Mutant Year Zero setting that it's inside of. But it looks cool and fun, and it's a great, great company. Um, yeah, and, I mean, uh, look, I think... I think some of their mechanics may be the differentiator, like the idea of being able to push a roll. You know, like you don't really have that in a lot of skirmish games. Yeah, I you know. So yeah, I would say that's unique. Um, whether it's a differentiator is way to be proven. Yeah, that's fair. You know, but uh, yeah. So just a quick four one one for our listeners: Mutant Year Zero. There's different. It's obviously a post-apocalyptic thing. You've got humans with mutants. You know, you got a human with with the dragonfly wings, but you also have um, animals that have been experimented on. So you have like anthropomorphic, you know, ducks and boars and mm-hmm. and a moose. And then there's other factions that are uh, ro- android robot based and uh, and guys with um, uh, mind powers. Psionic. Uh, they're psionic mutants as well. So it reminds me a lot of. If you ever played Beyond Good and Evil, no, that setting. Okay, that was a probably an original Xbox game um, that uh, has that same kind of a setting feel. But anyways, yeah, it looks pretty cool, and it's the great thing about this game is they'll give it to you for free to play without their minis, and that's pretty sweet. Um, it just for those keeping playing the keeping an eye on it at home, these look like. Uh, 32 millimeter minis so they're going to be you know four millimeters on average taller than what you would see in a uh you know a war a warhammer type uh 28 millimeter um mini if i'm not mistaken you guys correct me if i'm wrong the i can't ever remember if warhammer is 32 or 28 i'm pretty sure they're 28 because i invested in a lot of 27s back in the day when 
Wizards of the Coast did their D yeah. and Star Wars minis in twenty seven. But they're like they're that weird like twenty eight millimeter but hero scale. Yeah, tw- they are. Yeah, hero <laughs> scale. So true. these are yeah. these are thirty two. So you might see you might find that just when you get the minis and they show up if you back them as a Kickstarter, they might be a little taller than the, and they may not auto match with yeah. maybe some other games you're playing. My favorite is the Howard the Duck guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. His name is Ducks, D-U-X, Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. All he needs is a cigar and a martini, and he is Howard the Duck. But he also has a crossbow, which is maybe sometimes more fun than a martini. So it's it looks cool. Thanks for bringing that one up. That one's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, changing gears a little bit, there are several tie-in products for the upcoming Dungeons & Dragons movie. Uh, there's a uh, comic coming from IDW called Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves: The Feast of the Moon. It tells the events leading up to the film, written by Jeremy Lambert and Ellen Bonner, with art from Eduardo uh, Ferragato and Guillermo Sana. The graphic novel graphic novel features features Edgen Forge, Holga, and Simon stranded in a town besieged by the bandit king along with a second story about the paladin zank's journey into the underdark to protect a dangerous artifact the 96 page graphic novel will be available in stores for 14.99 and can be pre-ordered on amazon's comicology for 9.99 for february 2023 release Okie dokie. So if you yeah. want to, you want some D and D content that um, goes directly into the upcoming film. There is also a prequel novel coming, as well as a young adult novel for um, to cover the the backstory of the druid, who is featured in the trailer. Who transforms maybe now into we'll the Albor? I was going to say maybe now we can figure out why she can go into Elbear and nobody else can. Well, because her DM said she could. <laughs> That's what it's going to say in the book. Isn't that good enough? Um, This is maybe interesting for our Elden Ring fans. Steamforge Games released its first designer diary for Elden Ring, uh, the board game, which is coming to Kickstarter on November 22nd, which is right around the corner. The diary discusses how to properly scope and bring a game of Elden Ring's massive size to the tabletop. So there's going to be an Elden Ring minis game coming out uh, that's coming to Kickstarter um, around Thanksgiving. Did you see the um, latest kind of post craze on Elden Ring about how uh, the players feel like they have proven that the game does input reading? No. no. So input reading meaning like if you're if you're trying to have strategic combat with an AI the AI can have an unfair advantage by reading what you're doing with your buttons and your stick to yeah. be able to respond to you. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so players of, you know, players are always wary of that kind of thing. Cause I feel like it kind of takes the skill out because at the end of the day, it's players are, are creating a skill set against the artificial intelligence that was written into the, you know, the enemies. Um, and uh, one of the one of the biggest enemies, or one of the most craziest enemies in the game, um, are these like bear, big bear. I don't remember what they're called, big bear monster things. And um, this player showed he was stealthing up to this to this big bear monster, and he went right when he pushed the button to trigger 
um, a special move, and the bear is completely unaware of him just sitting there in the field. Right when he pushed it, the bear, like in one more frame, was launched into this massive attack that that normally only triggers when it's charged against charged up against you. Yeah, uh, uh, gotcha. it's called it's called cheating yeah. AI cheating. Yeah. It's like you're not really not, yeah. writing AI. It's not intelligence. It's artificial reacting. Yeah. Well, uh, Mortal Kombat uh, one two three four blah 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 are notorious for button uh, reading. In fact, you can get, you get in more and quarters, look. There's, duh. Yeah, there's the, exactly, and there are like crazy analyst videos showing, you know, frame counting and showing how uh, it absolutely is reading your input and responding to it in the harder difficulties. Yeah, a game near and dear to my heart, Civilization Revolutions, a game oh you gosh. bought me many years ago, and I, I just put it on Deity. I know it cheats on Deity. I know the roles cheat, and I just work <laughs> around it. It's such just, a cheating. Game. I just know it's cheating. I just know it's cheating. I know when. You know, they can take a, a, a teeny ship of the line and sink a battleship in one roll. I'm yeah. like, okay. When, when one trebuchet can take out an army of tanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so my favorite. Their, their, theme, their finger is on the, the, you know, their thumb is on the scale in a couple of places. And so I got to know the AI so well. I, I know how to manipulate it. But, um, yeah, that becomes part of the difficulty part of the difficulty and and it's not the difficulty you play in the game it's difficulty of you're playing against the game designers yeah there you go which is very which is very weird it's you know? the game in the game it's the game within the game <laughs> yeah so yeah cool all right well that does it for the news folks and i'm still here very good very good all right well let's get to our main topic which are our favorite things to make that supplement our gaming so uh, this kind of borders into the hobby realm, things that uh, we actually like to craft. Uh, it's not just a, like a cool Instagram post. I mean, you can make those. They're, they're cool and all. But these are actual hobby things that we use to supplement our gaming. So, Jason, why don't you kick us off with our first one? My first one, I love making terrain. I like to play games that have themed terrain mm -hmm. it helps with immersion and a lot of these games you'll get even with the kill team boards and the war cry you get these boards which are cool um but they're at the end of the day they're just flat right they're they're <coughs> they're you know one dimensional from in terms of pictorial yeah uh, on on a plane surface and so i love to make whether it's uh just you know making a rough uh floor that you has some texture to it or making walls uh, out of foam i think it's really cool there's a lot of communities i follow on facebook and instagram that do like foam modeling that make really amazing like uh, uh sets and environments out of like stupid cheap foam um you know and <clears throat> i just think it's really neat and it, it really is cool to uh show immersion in a game and to take any of the games you're playing to the next level um, and I think that terrain can be, and this could be as easy as taking stuff that's in a game box and just painting it or just doing something to spice up the terrain that comes right. with, with, so, you know, and a lot of games they'll do this. You can buy like little doors, right? So rather than like a chip, a little, uh, cardboard chip that represents a door, you have a little 3d door you can put on the board. I think that yeah. stuff's really cool and it really helps, uh, augment the game. Absolutely. And, uh, so uh, Black, was it Black uh, Magic Studios? Is that is that the yeah, one? Black he, that's Craft one. Studios? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Black. Uh, is it Black Craft Studios or Black Magic? 
craft. I think Anyways, it's black magic craft maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has a lot of really good ones like how to build good rocks and trees and black and magic craft. Like yeah. Yeah, black magic craft. He's yeah, uh, he's really a, he's really good at it. Yeah. Yeah, and his videos are really easy to kind of follow along and be able to do some of this stuff. So. Um, well, and it's and it's not super. That's the thing. It's not really that expensive. You're mm-hmm. just using everyday stuff around. Yeah. That you can get at Home Depot or Lowe's or, you know, whatever your hobby store is. Super cheap. So I I struggle with, like, creativity with some of that stuff, you know. Like, like I don't see a foam board and instantly picture, like, rocks and things like that. And so having some of these YouTube channels helps a lot give me direction on, like, where how I can see these things and visualize it, you know. Yeah, and I think it's okay to copy. It's okay to copy to help get your brain juices flowing. Yeah, definitely. And once you get like a couple in the bag, then you're like, oh, I, like I, I kind of built this last time. I can do a variation of it to do something a little bit differently. So yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I think terrain's a, a good one. And you've done molding before too, right? With Hearst stuff. Yeah, I've done. Um, I've done a lot of. I have several molds from Hearst. Uh, I make my own molds when mm-hmm. I when I make things. Uh, it's really a lot of fun to just create. And uh, I, I do molds for my own molds for bases when I make bases. And bases are another thing with that can add kind of a terrain and immersion feel underneath yeah. your character. You don't just have that flat base. But uh, molds, uh, foam, um, and you can buy mold kits for, like, terrain, like rocks and mountainsides. You can go actually go to Amazon because that's big in, like, the hobbyist train, the train right. hobby world. Um, but yep. a lot of stuff is scaled just well for, you know, uh, board game minis and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. Really or like, um, I know a lot of people, if they want to do a jungle board, they'll go to the pet shop and pick up a whole bunch oh, of, yeah. um, aquatic plants. Yeah. From like, like the fish tank fish aquarium tanks. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. adds flavor and color to your board and it just yeah. makes it more fun to play. I've, I've, I've brought my kids down to play things before and like, the games that they would never play if it was just a flat board and a dice and minis. But if you put a bunch of, like, weird trees and stuff over it, all of a sudden they want to play with it. Um, now, have you done 3D printing of terrain? I did with my FDM printer. I haven't yeah. done it with my, the resin one yet. I'm, okay. Um, I'm going to, but uh, the Loot Studios kit I got actually had some really cool walls hmm. uh, for, like, a gothic feel, which I think will be very, very useful. But with the FDM, I... I printed was it printable scenery.com uh-huh makes uh like full up like villages of yeah. different themes of different eras so that's a really great place to go if you do 3 3d printing you want to get some terrain just beautiful beautiful models that you can print and they're designed to be printed so i've had very little failure printing those when i did them with my fdm yeah very cool so very when, good. let me circle back to these hearsts for those who aren't aware it's basically a a a silicon mold that you pour um a a a plaster into and then when it dries you have a piece of terrain and then you prime it and paint it correct yes but i would say um while the those molds were made for plaster you know several years ago i would say that uh, everyone people should really be using resin resin you can because you can get a uh, fast cure resin that cures in like um, 
you mix it together it's got like a 30 second pot time which means once you mix the two parts you got 30 seconds to pour it in the mold yeah and then it cures in 15 minutes oh, okay and then you can pop it out and you can just keep doing it doing it if you do the dental plaster route which is how a lot of people do whether you do plaster of paris or dental plasters or any of those because that's of things, the legacy way of doing yeah that's the legacy those things take like two to three hours to dry yeah, yeah. So, so yeah do the do the resin mold now and and the resins are not the resins are they're hard they're harder than the plaster but they don't destroy the molds like they used to. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they used to. Hearst would tell you this. Uh, he'd say, "Don't you can use resins, but you're not going to get as many casts." Um, I I haven't found that to actually be a problem uh, recently with a lot of the the like Smooth On is a brand that makes uh, a fast acting resin that that uh, I've had a lot of success with. So just for the, our listeners, you can go to. Hearst Arts, H-I-R-S-T-A-R-T-S dot com. That's H-I-R-S-T-A-R-T-S dot com. And you can find, you know, castle molds, gothic molds, fieldstone, sci-fi, Roman, all kinds of really mm-hmm. interesting stuff. And it looks like each mold runs for about three, four bucks. But from what I'm hearing from Jay, he's gotten a lot of use out of all of his molds. Yeah, and they've got... They've got fantasy molds. They've got sci-fi. Um, you can do a lot of stuff. In fact, I still have it in my bucket list to make the tiles for your Battle Stations game. Oh, man. Uh, and those, uh, he's got great molds that are perfect for that. We're, we're going to have to uh, rub our hands together and figure out a way. Come yeah, up we should with just an get together. An evil plan <laughs> to do that, yeah. Yeah, we should yeah, totally do get it. Get me involved. And, and, I'm there. And one thing I will say about the Hearst stuff, I mean, it's cool to 3D print this stuff. I think it's a, sometimes a little bit faster, um, and you can sometimes customize it a little bit more uh, than the molds. But the nice thing about those molds is when they come out, they, they have heft. Like, they sit on your table well. They're done. Right? Yeah. That, that was one of my issues with the FDM printers is when I'd print terrain, like, they were really light because they were totally hollow. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, it was like you bump it a little bit and it would move. But some of these Hearst things, you bump it, like, they're they're not going anywhere. They'll be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that was pretty good. That's great. Uh, Dan, what, what do you like making? Well, I, I really have to sh- talk about the game table. I know longtime listeners are tired of hearing me talk about the game table I built. Um, um, two things about that. Number one, it, it's fun to build something that's customized for your exact needs and what you want and what games you play and and your space and and so i i maximized my space i maximized how far i could push it and still get you know eight people around a table comfortably and it has all the features i want um and i keep adding features to it and that's kind of the other thing is that i i periodically will come up with a new modification just to make it that much better something that's less complex than building it the first the the first time the second thing i I would say if you're into table building i made the mistake of trying to do my like piece de resistance because i really thought that's all i could get through with the the funding committee with the spouse she was really only going (laughs) to tolerate one massive project and then it had to go away or or be done and not go back to it um but if you want to get into table building i would say don't do it my way start small and build a table that you're going to have fun with and that you can sell and then you can use the proceeds to go build your next one and then go build your next one and go build your next one i I think that could be if you really get into it um, if you're getting into furniture 
That's a great way because I, I taught myself a lot of skills building this thing. I really am a better carpenter after fighting this thing for months than I was when I started. However, you know, I haven't had to build one of these for a long time. So so if, if you're into table building, I know Jay built a coffee table gaming table first before he want, wanted to make a, a full-size game table. That makes yeah. total sense. Um, and, and it's okay to be inspired by the Wormwood guys and the other guys that are out there and not, it's okay to be inspired by them, make something that you like that's close to their thing and have it not be as nice because at the end of the day, it's freaking yours. And I see my game table and I see all of its weird flaws. I, I mean, I can just stand there and point one fly out after another, after another, after another one. But who cares? It's mine. It's unique in the universe. There's nobody else has one like it. So Yeah, that's the thing. It's, you know. it's yours and unique. There's a unique experience every time we sit down at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We always do something different. And um, so if, if you have a hankering to, to, you know, get the sawdust in your lungs a little bit. Sorry, we're breathing protection. But if you, if you really want to <laughs> mess around in the garage and you have some basic tools, if, if you have a table saw, you know, a Craig jig, you're pretty much, you know, you're good to go. And a miter saw with some lumber and, and a sander, you could make, I could, you could make a game table, you know, um, in, in a couple of weekends that you could use for years if you wanted to. So don't let the perfect be the enemy of, of good enough. Like I had to modify mine because the design was wrong. And it has weird things about it because the design was wrong. I had to come up with a new way to do legs. And the, it doesn't look like it has weird <laughs> Harley Davidson bolts coming out of it <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, zinc bolts. But I had to come up with a fix and, uh, and I learned a lot. So it was educational yeah. and it was rewarding and it was fun and we still have fun using it. So And we play on it all the time. All the time. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. And if any of our listeners want free advice, it's a good. Ta- it's grown on me. Your table has grown on. Every time we go over there, I think this <laughs> it was is terrible fun. at first. <laughs> well, no, it, it, it wasn't. It was. It was always good. I'm just saying it. Yeah, yeah. Every time we go there, it's like I. I relish this fun gaming experience at this table that is that is unique to our gaming. Our gaming group. Our so group it's cool. and. Yeah. And it's purpose built. It's not trying to be a dinner uh, a, a, a dinner right. table at right. night. And the, there's a, they're out there and they're great. So there's a couple of companies that make those and they're wonderful. But yeah. Anyway, a gaming table. Uh, go down the go down that path. You fo- you'll find it. It's it's a pretty rewarding path to go down. That's that's all I'm, I'm going to say about that. If, nice. if you if you if you want to make you know. A, do you want to spend $3,000 on a wormwood table or do you want to spend, you know, $600 on power tools and make your own? I would I'd spend the $600 on power tools, make your own. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Right on. Uh, yeah. So for me, uh, one of my favorite things to make, even though I'm not that good at it, is uh, display boards for minis and like mini turn, like uh, gaming tournaments. So one of the big. Um, Things that you see at uh, the Warhammer tournaments out there are these display tables that are thematic to your army. So, uh, like Jason, I think when we went to LVO, you had like this kind of barren wasteland with a pool of blood, yeah, like in yours. You know that just kind of was thematic to your ghouls that you had. Um, I had like a a hill with like a, a mausoleum on the top and gravestones, mm-hmm. and like kind of the cool. ghosts were coming out of it. You know. So um, some of the uh, most amazing art things that you can see out there 
are these display tables that people build for their army because the army is cool when you see it on the table, uh, but usually it's playing on a table that's not necessarily matches the theme of the person that painted it, which makes sense because it's the tournament's terrain, it's the tournament's uh, battle mat, it's, you know, the tournament stuff. It's not the person that, you know, built like built and painted their army. So you really get to see the cohesiveness and the display power of that army when they put it on a on a uh, a display board. So um, one of the coolest ones that I saw was um, a friend of the show, Caleb Walter. He had his uh, Zinch army, which is like kind of a chaos changeling. They had like all sorts of, uh, you know, people turning into birds and weird kind of beasts like that. And um, he did it a Christmas thing, though. So like one of the main characters was carrying a Santa bag and like, you know, instead of weapons, the guys were like slinging hot chocolate and throwing marshmallows mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, in, instead of like swords, they're holding candy canes. And so it was like Christmas theme. Well, he put like lights on this display of his and you would go over and put 3D glasses on and it was like snowflakes erupting on his display. You know, like all yeah. over. It was like crazy amazing to see that. And so um, some of these display boards are just absolutely phenomenal. And I'm always jealous on like how well people will kind of envision this theme. Um, one guy, he was doing the Caradron Overlords. And so these are like floating kind of ships in the sky that these um, these dwarves are riding. And so his display base was Cotton Clouds. And like a fifty thousand view, like view to the ground, was the bottom of the display board. Oh, so it looked kidding. like they're flying above the earth. Like it was so cool looking. So um, yeah, I, I love them. I love display boards. Uh, what I like too is that uh, we saw that these came into play when we had our Warcry tournament at Nova Open. We had a couple of guys, Jason, that had uh, display boards there mm-hmm. that yeah. I thought looked pretty cool. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was really amazing, and um, I think uh, I think that's one way to enhance and and really th- lean in thematically to whatever miniatures you're painting or armor you're doing, and like you could even do a little display board for your house. Like, there's nothing to say that you can't like have a like five cool little miniatures and you build a little one out of foam that uh, just kind of helps tie them together thematically. That would look really cool. So, yeah, it'd, it'd be pretty good. Yeah, I think they really add a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, I don't want to say immersion, because immersion is kind of when you're playing a game, but mm-hmm. um, theme to an army yeah. when you set it up and, and look at it. Helps you take, takes me places when I look at the display board. Yeah, you'll even see them, like, during the Capitol Palette, like at the Nova Open, when there's a squad category, you know, it's like a group of, like, five miniatures that, like, are fighting together. Um, people will throw a display board on that because that like helps tell the story of where they're at and what they're doing. So, and and then it also ties in with their bases too, mm-hmm. right? So their mm-hmm. bases don't stand seem like they're just standing out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. So yeah, it's pretty good. All right, Jason, what's your second one? Uh, my second one, uh, we kind of hit it on with the Hearse Art molds, is but uh, I like making dice towers and I like dice trays. I haven't really made a lot of dice trays, but I have made a couple dice towers. I think they're really fun. Um, they can be a little unwieldy to kind of when you're going to a friend's house to play like, you know, a role playing game. But um, and I haven't really brought mine a lot lately, but I had a lot of fun making kind of that that uh, really old castle looking one that you could 
um, you know, drop dice in and you could hear it all rattle around and then flow out of the, you know, the, the entrance to the castle. I think they're really fun. And my, you know, my wife who doesn't like to play those kinds of games loves to throw dice into the thing. So anytime <laughs> there's a dice game, I'll set it up on the, on the table and we'll just throw the dice into it. Nice. It's a lot of fun. You're playing Yahtzee, pull it out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Truffle Snack says. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But, and I made that with Hertz Art Mold. You can get the – I got the rubble. And he actually has plans. So that that's a great project. If you want to kind of toy with that, you can go onto his website. You can buy that one – I think it's one mold. You can buy one mold, and he gives you plans for how to make a dice tower with that mold. And you build the bricks up yourself. So you're literally building the castle one brick at a time. So it is a, it is a hobby experience. Um I actually got to the point to where I had made this tower a few times for friends. So I actually built the walls of the tower, and then I made a mold of the wall so that oh, I can, that's right. with resin, I can knock out a dice tower in about uh, two hours. Nice. Wow. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty pretty neat. Now you can go sell them at Renfair. Well, yeah, I mean, he does <laughs> he does have copyrights on his molds. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, there, yeah. Are, there are, you know, I'd like legal... to see him take you to court. <laughs> right right that's okay though just kidding yeah. good guy he's a good guy good guy you don't want to screw over good guys no cool. very good all right dan what's your second one you know i i've i have flipped 180 when it comes to minis um i think the first batch of minis that i actually wanted to paint were, was battle stations we mentioned that earlier in the show and i i tried painting them about four years ago and just you know, it, it was, it, I had, first of all, I needed glasses and had n- and wasn't wearing them, number one. That was a huge problem, you know. Yeah. So know your, know your own prescription of what how you can get clear view on things. And then um, jumping into minis and saying, you know, I, I really like these Middle Earth things. I'm going to just paint them, and I'm, I don't care if I paint them bad. I, wanna, I want Middle Earth, it would be more fun. Uh, Journeys in Middle Earth would be more fun with painted minis. But it's kind of unleashed a monster in me. I'm really enjoying painting minis and priming them. And gl- now I like gluing them up. When I first attacked the sprues for the Daughters of Cain, I was like, this sucks. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And something clicked, and now I'm cool with it. Um, and I, I think it was I was frustrated because I didn't know the end from the beginning, and I was using the wrong glue, and... I, yeah. I needed like a Sherpa to kind of take me through like, oh, hey, you know, you, this is what you, it's a simple process, but you, there's some important steps. You need to hit those steps. And I was posting a lot of pissed off posts on Discord going, I hate this crap. I hate this crap. You guys are the worst friends ever. And then you guys are like, dude, take it down a notch. And and now I now I, now I enjoy it uh, thoroughly. So um it's so bad, in fact, that when I got done painting minis, I decided to buy minis for a game I have never even played. I don't even know if I like the game, and I'm into 150 bucks worth of minis on them. So um, I know that's not necessarily the crafting theme of the of the episode, but if you're playing board games, just try painting. You, you'll probably have more fun than you think. It'll probably be more fulfilling than you think. And frankly, that this crafting stuff, a lot of this stuff we do solo and we don't need other people around. So there's, you know, mm-hmm. gaming is social and that's great. That's why we do it. But um, we can't be doing it every night of the week. But you can be kind of crafting um, on a pretty regular basis. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give two thumbs up to 
to to even making minis off the sprue, which I, two years ago, I would have laughed and if you would have said, Dan, you're going to be really into buying stuff and, and gluing them up and, and getting into it. I would have laughed and laughed if you told me that two years ago. So there it is. Minis. Cool. Get, yeah. get them. I, it's, it's really satisfying to take, to make something with a little life in it from little sprues of plastic. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, and then, you put a layer of paint on it, and it just, boom, puts life into it. It's really cool. It's one of those where, like, I show my wife, and I'm like, hey, hey, look at this. And first of all, like, don't ask me how much this little plastic cost, but, you know, <laughs> um, look at this. And she goes, wow, that, like, looks really cool. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's the whole point. It's, like, just those little moments of showing someone, and they go, wow, that looks really cool. You're like, yep, that, that's fun. I'll go do another one. Yeah. It, 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 I like how you said life. It kind of creates; they they become animated in your mind and they're in your, in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I can tell yep. when my ten year old son starts gravitating to cool painted minis. You know, I really enjoyed painting the minis for um, uh, Hero Smash, whatever that thing was. I can't remember the name of it. I gotta turn around. Oh, Hero, gotta, Hero uh, Brawl. Yeah, yeah, Brawl. Yeah. Um, yep. Fantasy Brawl. Fan, super Fantasy Brawl. The minis are sculpted so amazing, and it's okay to play with a gray mini. And they're like, yeah, these are kind of cool. You paint them, and, and suddenly they have no actuating parts, but my, my son will take all my minis from Lord of the Rings and all these other sets, and he'll play with them like action figures on the on the living room floor <laughs> nice. for hours. I'm like, oh, I'm glad you're having fun with them. You just got to help me put them away. So I think that's that's <laughs> that's um, – uh, that's time well spent. And now he comes down to the basement, looks in my detolf and opens it up and gets things out. And so it's kind of oh. inspiring him to, to get into it just a little bit. And I bought him a board game. I bought him the Dragon Prince board game and I painted it. It came with about eight minis and I painted them as perfectly to the show as I could. And he went through one by one and said, this one is this one is right on, Dad. You got this one right. This one, you got kind of a beat <laughs> on. I'm like, okay, all right, 10-year-old. <laughs> You got yeah. it, buddy. Like you try putting gold piping at a twenty-seven millimeter scale. Yeah, yeah. Gold piping. Yeah. Just on... keep complaining about this free thing. <laughs> exactly. But it felt really good when he picked up one of the main characters and said, "She's perfect. You got her perfect. There's nothing. There's nothing That's wrong awesome. with this mini." You know, I, I got it past the ten-year-old's uh, judge, judgy eye. So, anyway. minis bringing families together. Bringing families together. So. Mini it up, folks. Find the board game on your shelf that has some minis and spray paint them down with some with some primer, and then just start slapping contrast paints on them. But before you know it, you'll, you know you'll catch the bug. Yep. Yep. What about you, Justin? What's your last one? Yeah, my last one are dungeon tiles. This is a this was a three D print thing. Um, so I with my FDM printer, I went. I know you went recommended printable scenery i went to um dragon lock mm-hmm. uh i liked i liked their tiles and their system that they had so you would print out basically a you know a two inch by two inch square and then you would have this lock mechanism that would hook it to another one and so it became basically kind of a a connector thing that you could make all of these dungeon tiles um so there's some pros and cons to it i i liked it the problem was that um to have a decently large 
like dungeon, you needed to print out a crap ton of tiles. Mm-hmm. You know, like it required a lot of it required a lot of tiles um, for a decently sized dungeon. And so that was a lot of filament. It was a lot of time. It was like making sure your bed was level after every print. It was making sure that, you know, everything was going on. And then um, I took the time to, like, paint a lot of it too. So, you know, that was kind of spray primer and then, like, going through and painting it. So it was a lot of time and effort to put into those dungeon tiles. And the problem is, is um, with some of them, like, you couldn't, like, adjust them on the fly very quickly without like being like okay guys we're gonna take 15 minutes while i put this together you know and then you kind of just show the whole dungeon as it's gonna look and people are like okay well we know where the bad guy's gonna be right you can see like (laughs) a huge room that you're like okay you know so you could lay like a black cloth over the back end but you still know where to go yeah so you know i mean it but it's like a map too you show a map of the dungeon and people are gonna know like what's what right so um it's not a big a deal so it like it was good i enjoyed it um i liked using it i think that it'd be more fun if i had a much bigger table i think it'd be more fun if i had more time and more printers working at once um it, it was it was it it could be a very cool immersion thing to have the printer go out. Um, I just, I felt like it wasn't as, um, I'm, I'm kind of down on this right now. Like this maybe not might be one of my favorite things, well, but you know, yeah. I, I think, I think it was really cool for immersion. <laughs> like once you got it up and it working, right. like it was very cool. And like it, it was a natural place for miniatures, but there was a lot of work that went into like putting it together, I guess. So there is, um, there, and I did it too. I did, uh, which I think is from, I think the company's like Fat Fat Dragon. Yeah, Fat Dragon Games. Yeah. Um I did a I did several as well when I was kind of making some some fun terrain and I found that with the FDM, you know, when you just had a a couple tiles that you would put together, um they would lock in okay, but like a tiny bend or a tiny warp in one tile, five tiles down the road would start to really deviate. Yeah. Um and they would have to you'd really have to snap them together hard to kind of keep the the bed level or the uh the plane surface level. So I had a problem with warping, but I think that was just a general problem with FDMs. But I thought it was cool that one time that we did play with the big sewer thing that you did. You built like a big sewer uh that we were diving into uh, yeah. and running around. So it's fun. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um so yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was fun. So I would I, I mean I would recommend it. Like if you want to do it, do it, because it, it it ended up being pretty cool. But if you don't want to do it, like um, that's uh, that's up to you, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Then I do, don't do I it. do have an honorable yeah. mention. I'm gonna get into okay. building wood boxes because I have uh, yeah. some uh, one of the extra supplements of minis for one of the expansions I got just came in brown cardboard and I've needed to build boxes for kind of like heirloom nativity sets and stuff like that. And so that's going to be, that has been my goal. I have everything in my garage now to build some bespoke, nice wood boxes for games. And that's, that's the next hill I'm climbing um, in, in my, my crafting. You could be the next broken token. Nice. No, I, I'm not. I'm not doing inserts. I'm building the box for the game. Well, yeah, like whole, take it, take it up a notch. Like then. an external game box. Everybody keeps wanting to build the internals of it, and and for me, it's like no, no, no. You got to have a 
a nice bespoke, you know, lacquered, you know, stained uh, thing that looks like it's there to last a hundred years, not last until the cardboard gets wet. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess with that. That's the next one I'm going to do. Very cool. All right, All right good. Go, yeah, folks. sounds good. Yeah, I think that takes us to the end. So, um, uh, you know, for all those that uh, that are looking to supplement their games and their crafting abilities, like there's a lot of resources out there. We totally recommend that you check it out. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a myriad of things that you can do to enhance your games that would really, uh, you know, spice up the effort. So uh, go ahead and check it out. If you've got any questions, hit us up on social media. Like we've done some of this stuff before and, and we've had a couple of guys jump into our Discord chat and ask us about some of these things. Like it'd be, you know, we're always happy to help and give recommendations about 3D printing, about, you know, FDM printing, about, uh, you know, crafts in general and things that have worked for us and haven't worked for us. Like I think we had one guy say, like, how do I strip a mini of all their paint? And uh, one of our resident Warhammer players, he was like, oh, buddy, let me tell you, this is how you do it, you know, and, uh, saved him a lot of grief because he you know we got a lot of experience in the in the chat so come and join us and um you know until next time keep all the dice rolling so have a great night everybody yep have a good have a good night thanks for listening see you soon